This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Luke 4, 14 to 19. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the, for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Hear the word of the Lord. Second reading comes from chapter 5 of Daniel. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So he brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the God of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall, near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. The king summoned the enchanters, astrologers and diviners. Then he said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple have a gold chain placed around his neck and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and the nobles, came into the banquet hall. <clears throat> May the king live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers and diviners. He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles and solve difficult problems. 
Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father, the king, brought from Judah? I've heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I've heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered the king, You may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Your Majesty, the Most High God gave your father, Nebuchadnezzar, sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all the nations and people of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to be put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was opposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like the ox, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honour the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Pasin. Here is what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then, at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Father. 
that all scripture is breathed out by you and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. So open our hearts today to receive your word that we might know you better, to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Through Jesus, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we live in tumultuous times. And in his book, With the Falling of the Dusk, Stan Grant argued just about 18 months ago that with the rise of authoritarianism, economic troubles and the retreat of democracy, the world stands in a moment of crisis. Even in our own country, the culture seems to be shifting so quickly that different ideals and powers seem to be wrestling for control and it can be hard to know which way is up. But there's a particular challenge for us in this as the church, both worldwide and at home, because it forces us to ask in the midst of this, what will become of us? What will our place be? This is especially the case when it seems that the powers stand at odds with God and how he wants us to live. And some of them even want us out. So what is God doing about these powers that stand against him and against his people? Well, the book of Daniel addresses the relationship between God and earthly powers. And we've seen this over the last four weeks. Remember, Daniel resisted them in chapter 1 when he refused to eat the king's food. Uh, And then in chapter 2, Daniel interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream about his empire and, and those after his. But then later, Nebuchadnezzar threw Daniel's friends into the fiery furnace when they refused to worship him, only to see the angel of God rescue his friends. And then last week, we saw God humbled Nebuchadnezzar, turning him into the form of a beast until he lifted his eyes and recognized God's authority. And so we have this this back and forth, this struggle. And so now we look on with Daniel and his exiled compatriots at King Belshazzar of Babylon as he feasts on the finest food and wine with a thousand of his nobles, his wives, his concubines in self-indulgence and excess. This is an ostentatious expression of the wealth and power and command of this king of Babylon. But there's another layer to this power and pride. Because when Belshazzar's predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, sacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple of the Judeans, he took away the articles of silver and gold, the goblets and plates and other things, the holy cups, the holy paraphernalia that was used in the sacred worship of God. And now... Belshazzar drags it out and parades his power by sharing them around like party favours, praising the Babylonian gods, Marduk, Bel, Nebo. This is the ultimate irreverence, disrespect and display of power over God and over his people. Now, as I read this, I do wonder, do we see power and pride like this nowadays? The early readers of Daniel saw just this dominance in concrete and dangerous ways. From Belshazzar's idolatry in Babylon, 
to the Persian barriers as they were trying to rebuild the temple, to the Seleucid king, Antiochus Epiphanes IV, who forbade Jewish religion. He desecrated the temple by sacrificing a great swine on the altar and then forced the priests to eat its flesh. Now, for us, we don't face this kind of direct blasphemy or danger or control. And so we need to keep perspective. But we do see very powerful and dangerous forces arrayed against God and his people, especially the world over. Whether it be authoritarian persecution in places like North Korea, or religious persecution in Afghanistan, or deepening secular cultures and the shrinking of the church in Europe. And so it's important for us to have solidarity and support and share prayers with our Christian brothers and sisters all over the world. And in Sydney, we do live in relative peace and freedom. For many, I think it's less about uh, persecution and more about entitlements and privileges that we used to have uh, being taken away and kind of missing them. But the forces can come against us, whether it be in the media or in the halls of government, or other interest groups, or in our workplaces, or powerful individuals. But you know, when we read passages like this, this tells us that we shouldn't be alarmed by this. This has always been the case for God's people. And through the changes and chances of governments and cultures, it just changes faces, changes intensity. It just takes different forms. So we shouldn't be alarmed or surprised. But perhaps the more insidious way that we see these powers is that we can find them very easily, not just out there, but in here, inside church walls and inside our own hearts. Belshazzar's wealth and carefree hedonism and power is deeply attractive And the opportunities for these kinds of things, to use them and grasp after them, is very real, very present for many of us. And it beckons us to turn our backs on God and live a very different life. So as Belshazzar and his entourage, as they drink the wine and praise the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood and stone, what will God do? What will happen? How will these people respond? Well, to everyone's surprise, human fingers emerge out of thin air and start scribbling on the plaster on the wall, writing a message for everyone to see. This is the infamous writing on the wall. This is certainly strange. I can imagine the guests would have been a little disconcerted, mildly surprised to see this apparition scribbling on the wall. But Belshazzar is terrified. He turns deathly pale, his knees become weak and his knees are knocking. Now, I think this has been a little bit sanitised because perhaps a better translation is that the knots of his loins were untied. I don't think you need me to spell out exactly what happens when the knots of one's loins are untied. This is sheer terror and a humiliating mess. With his apparition, God pulls back the curtains just a crack to reveal himself to this earthly power 
And this once proud king becomes a humiliated fool. And so he calls his wise men, the enchanters, astrologers and diviners. He vainly tries to throw around his money and his power by offering rich rewards. But they get him nowhere. And so even as he casts that around his wise men, they're completely incompetent. And his nobles are baffled. When God intervenes, this power and this pride turn out to be helpless folly. It appears strong and appears lasting, but just under the surface is fear, insecurity and impotence. Now, we shouldn't get carried away with political satire like this. The Jewish authors, they knew that rulers like Belshazzar were, in fact, very deadly. So the point here isn't that there's nothing to worry about after all. The point is that Despite human pretensions, this kind of pride and power deserves to be laughed at. When you feel threatened by this kind of power and pride, remember this scene. It might seem to embody order and power and divinity, but in the end, it is merely human. With all the folly and foibles that come with it. And when you feel attracted to the life of excess and dominance and autonomy, remember this scene. Because when it comes to things that really matter, things of God and eternal significance, that life has nothing to offer. Well, despite the mess and confusion, the queen, or maybe it's the queen mother, she sees clearly. May the king live forever, she says in words dripping with dramatic irony. There is a man who can help, Daniel. He's a man with the spirit of the gods in him. Now, once again, I think she speaks more than she knows. She continues, he is a man with insight, intelligence and wisdom. Knowledge and understanding like that of the gods. And we've seen Daniel so far, and it really looked, Daniel has been given special understanding from God to be able to see who these powers are, to interpret dreams and relate well to them. Now, in a sense, Daniel has a supernatural prophetic power. And so we watch Daniel and we say, wow, isn't it great that God did that for Daniel? Not sure about me. But actually, this wisdom that the queen and the king describe is just the kind of wisdom that we need in, in the world to see this power for what it is and to relate rightly to it. Because the language that they use here resonates unmistakably with the wisdom books in the Bible, books like Proverbs and Job and Ecclesiastes. Daniel's wisdom, then, is available to all of us. This is a wisdom that begins with the fear of the Lord and listens hard to his word. In the Old Testament writings and the words of our ultimate source of wisdom, Jesus Christ and his apostles. And so this wisdom that begins with the fear of the Lord and listens hard to God, it understands ourselves as God's dependent and mortal creatures. And so if you want to be able to respond rightly in this tumultuous and sometimes threatening world, the place to start 
is to cultivate just this kind of wisdom. To fear God above the governments and the media. To trust God more than any pundits or politicians. And to understand our human mortality and their human mortality and limits. Uh, This wisdom also sees the world clearly and discerns how to live well in it. It rejects, did you notice the way that Daniel rejected the king's offers of power and money? It rejects the worldly power and ostentation. And it knows that pride and idolatry when it sees it. And so if you want to, to use and engage with the power and the wealth that Belshazzar and his entourage does, then this wisdom is the first place to go. This is the wisdom to pursue. A wisdom that appreciates the wealth, benefits of wealth and power, but that seeks goodness and righteousness, contentment and generosity. A wisdom that cultivates a life of discipline and love, and not selfish gain and irreverence. So as we seek to be witnesses, a witness in the world, it is this wisdom that can have real attraction. Did you notice the way that the queen and the king, or the queen especially, she'd heard of Daniel's wisdom. She knew. And so will the communities in which we live and work. They're watching you. And will they see you living foolishly like Belshazzar or living wisely like Daniel and appreciate you for it? Well, Daniel opens his mouth and speaks to the king to deliver his judgment. So what is it that he sees? What is it that he understands? Well, Daniel's judgment on worldly power is this. It is all, all of it, given by God. Any power, wealth, advantage or authority that you see or that you have is only ever a gift given by God that can be taken away. Look at Belshazzar's predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, what Daniel says. You know, he sure seemed like a god. He was unimaginably wealthy. Everyone dreaded him. In his hands were the keys of life and death. But where did it come from? It's right there in verse 18. The Most High God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and splendor. And when it was time to take it away, he took it. If we want to relate rightly to worldly power, this is the first thing that we must understand. That it is given by God. Now on the one hand, I think this is a great comfort. It's both a comfort and a warning. Now it's a comfort... Because it means that there is often and can be much good in it. It's very easy for us to look around at changes and feel threatened, but to then not see the many goods that we have or the many opportunities and good that there is to be done through political involvement or community initiatives or through our work. I think it's easy for us to fall into a withdrawn quietism, into just spiritual things. But because power and money is given by God, we, like Daniel, can involve ourselves with it for good. Now, it's also a comfort because when we feel powerful forces against us, we can know 
that because it is given by God, he is over it all. He is above it all. He is the one with authority. His care and control, his providence is over all things. And so instead of fearing and obeying without question the powerful people or interest groups, we fear and obey God above all. And this means that we can resist it. We can stand up when we see injustice. And we, re- we can resist its pretensions when it encroaches where it should not. So it's a comfort knowing that God gives these powers, but it's also a warning. It's a warning not to grasp after it or ultimately hope or trust in the powers of the world. Yes, there's good to be done, but we should never bind ourselves too closely to political process or to strategic wealth creation or whatever it is that will get us our way in the world. These things... They are merely human. Instead of placing our ultimate hope in political or cultural progress, we are called to hope and trust in God above all else. And it's a warning not to go down the path of power and pride that turns us away from the living God, because that way lies destruction. And that is the terrible lesson that Belshazzar learned. Did you see Daniel's interpretation and final message to the king? Daniel's final judgment on worldly power. In one respect, it's pretty straightforward. Mene, mene, tekel, parsin. These words are simply Aramaic names for currency at the time. Mene refers to a miner, about 500 grams of silver. Tekel to a shekel, about 10 grams. And a parsin, it's a half. Half shekel, half miner. It's a bit like saying dollar, dollar, ten cent, five cent. Maybe out in the markets, a merchant calling out something like that. But, okay, that's straightforward. But what it means, that's cryptic. Because these words, they're a symbol. They mean something else. It's a play on words, a pun. They also mean numbered, numbered, weighed, divided. And so Daniel interprets, Belshazzar, your days are numbered. You have, been, you have been weighed and found wanting and your, your kingdom will be divided. And so that very night, Belshazzar meets his doom. His numbered days come to an end at the hands of a new empire. The God who gave him his power and his very life just takes it in a few hours. God is the one who gives power and wealth and life itself, and he is the one who can take it away. And like Belshazzar, all the powers and forces of the world will face death and judgment. All the governments, cultures, nations will pass away and be judged. And each of us will meet the same fate. Our days are numbered and they will be weighed. We do well to meditate on this. Your days are numbered and they will be weighed. And without God's grace shown to us in Christ, you will be found wanting 
And so we finish with an invitation. As it says right there, right at the end of verse 23, all of us are called to honour the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Because when we do that, we get a right perspective on worldly power. We see that it is given by God, that it's merely human. But also when we do that, instead of meeting the, face, the fate of Belshazzar, that just ends in judgment and death, we tap into the power that matters. Because God's power and wisdom is ultimately more powerful than any of these things. It's a power with a paradox, a power that gave up all its pride and became a powerless, humble child. A power that didn't grasp for more, but gave itself out of love for the world and for us. And so we face not a judgment that finds us wanting, but we receive a positive judgment of forgiveness and renewal that gives real hope for full and eternal life and a power that shows us how to give ourselves in love for the sake of others even those who would do us harm. And so today, I invite you to honour the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Let me pray. <clears throat> Our Father, we praise you for your mighty power, and for your self-giving and generous love. And so help us to honour you for who you are, to see the outpouring of your self-giving power for us. And so not to fear the world or to seek after a kind of power that can appear so attractive, but rather to humble ourselves before you and to receive from you every blessing in Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources, and find more information about the community of St. Mark's.